Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Good morning, Ashish. How are you today? Good morning, Wayne. I'm well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Wanted to see if you could give us a little bit of an update uh, where we are currently in the pandemic. Some data points that I have seen recently seem to suggest that uh, things have moderated a tiny bit. I'm, I'm looking at new reported cases, new reported deaths, and hospitalizations. I don't know if that's a blip. It's only a few days worth, and it's not obviously complete data, but where are we now? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And I, I think you're right, Wayne. I think um, we're seeing a little moderation. It's been four or five days worth, so can't get too excited and not ready to, uh, but I do think things are turning. And I was looking really carefully last night at data across the country. You know, part of the challenge of this pandemic is national data is always difficult because uh, basically because states are so different. And so you could be having a large outbreak in some states and declining outbreaks in others, and you'll, it'll look like things are flat. And, but the good news here, as I look at the data across states, most states are heading down. Again, not by a lot, not for a long period of time, but it really feels like a nationwide kind of slowing of the infection. And I have to say, I'm really pleased uh, it should mean that we should see a little bit of a relief on hospitals, a little bit of a relief on deaths. Not to understate how bad things still are. I mean, still a lot of infections. And we're still on track to have three plus thousand deaths a day for uh, the next month, if not more. So, so none of this is easy, but it is maybe starting to get a little bit better. What do you think the factors are? Is it are people wearing masks more? Are people, what are, what's behind this? Uh, slight decrease in some numbers? Yeah, I wish I knew. We don't know. The short answer is we don't know. Um, certainly places like California, which were just so awful through December in terms of infections, uh, early January, they have turned. I think that's been a lot of policy interventions in California, really trying to curtail things. Um, it's possible that uh, people are tired of the fighting about mask wearing and all of that are just trying to be a bit more careful as they see large number of infections. You know, one of the things we've seen in this pandemic is when things get really bad, uh, people tend to pull back themselves. They tend to go out to res restaurants a little bit less. They try to socialize a little less. Uh, it's just, uh, it may just very well be that. I hope it's sustained. And here's a thing that I think most people 
may say I'm being too optimistic, but I think in the next two, three weeks, you're going to start seeing some early effects of the vaccine uh, in terms of uh, impact on population immunity. Um, once you get to, so West Virginia is, pop, is vaccinated about 8% of its population, um, 7, 8%. Once you get to like places like West Virginia, others vaccinating 10, 15%, it'll start having a little bit of an impact because there's already a lot of natural immunity in the population from all the infections. Combine them, uh, you will start seeing some benefits there. So there are many reasons to be optimistic that things could get better. The big reason to be pessimistic, of course, is this variant uh, that's starting to take off. And that could really undo a lot of this. So that's what I'm watching for and worried about. And it's not just one variant is my understanding. There is more than one variant. Am I correct about that? Yeah, there are at least globally, it looks like there are at least three, if not four. So let's just quickly name them so people at least know about them. And in the future weeks, we can talk about them. There's what's called B117 or the UK variant. There's the South Africa variant. There's a new variant identified in Brazil. And then maybe there's a fourth variant identified in LA. Um, Look, they're all different, slightly different strains. The question is, do they all matter? Are they all um, necessarily much more contagious? There's no doubt at this point that the UK variant is really bad. It's much more contagious. Uh, and it's here in the United States. We don't know about the South Africa and Brazil variants and whether they're here in the United States. And then the LA one, I, we just have really identified that in the last week or 10 days. We don't know enough about it. We don't know if it's more contagious. We don't know if it's more dangerous. I think we're going to know more even in the next week or two. So the one I'm most worried about is the UK variant because I know about it. It's in the United States and it is clearly much more contagious. So tomorrow, Wednesday, January 20th, Joe Biden becomes president. And that clearly opens a new chapter on many things. And at some point in the future, maybe we can get into those in terms of climate change and other public health uh, as well. But he has said that his goal is 100 million vaccinations in the first 100 days. A couple of questions here. Um, Is that feasible? And will it make a difference? So yes and yes, but I want more. So let me explain. Do I think we could do 100 million doses in 100 days? I do. Uh, I do. I think that is doable. It's going to take work. It's not going to be straightforward. Uh, but I think it's very doable. Uh, is it going to make a difference? It will, right? Because I, as I said, I think even in the next three, four weeks, you're going to start seeing some benefits of vaccinations. And hey, if we can vaccinate, if we can get 100 million doses, that's 50 million people. Uh, that's you know, that's uh, 15, 20% of the population. That's going to make a difference. I have to be honest with you, uh, Wayne, I'm worried about this variant and I'm worried that 100 million doses in 100 million, I mean, in 100 days is not going to be enough to get us back into trouble again. So, uh, again, it would be an upgrade of where we are right now. And I like the fact that the president elect, soon to be President Biden, has uh, made this goal. Uh, I want him to be even more ambitious and I want him to push our country even faster because we need it. We've touched on this before, but I think this is a good moment to to revisit it. You have said, uh, many others have said as well, uh, and it's true, of course, given history and and what we know in in terms of science, that there will be another pandemic. We don't know when, but it's not a question of if. There will be, it conceivably could be worse than this, 
in terms of the microbe or, or the, the bacteria or the virus involved. We, we don't know. We can't predict that. But it could be worse. It could be much yep. worse. Yep. What does the country and, you know, by extrapolation, I guess the world need to do public health wise to get ready for this so we are not punished so badly and cruelly as we have been with, with COVID? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There will be another pandemic uh, at some point. Uh, it's it is inevitable because the circumstances that led to this pandemic uh, happening uh, are not going away, and there are lots of night nightmare scenarios where it could be much deadlier. Um, so what do we need to do? We need to first and foremost invest in public health. I mean, we have gutted public health in America, and in this pandemic. We have immediately, uh, you know, uh, paid the price of that. We didn't have enough contact tracers. We didn't have the infrastructure uh, to get vaccines out. I mean, every single moment that we have needed our public health infrastructure, we've been reminded that underinvesting in public health, it's like underinvesting in anything like, I mean, you know, the reason, the truth is we invest in our military. The reason we invest in our military is because when we need it, we need it to be effective and ready to go. Uh, public health is very much the same way and you need it. And when you need it, you, you, you really pay the price of underinvestment. So that's one. I think the second thing is because we don't know what virus or bacteria or, or agent it's going to be, um, we need to invest in science in much more broad based science. We need technologies that we can turn towards whatever the new virus is. Look, um, we got lucky a little bit with this coronavirus because we had a lot of experience with a previous coronavirus, the SARS virus from 2003. And so we actually knew a lot about how to make a vaccine against this virus. I'm not convinced that we're gonna be so lucky next time. We might get a, a virus that we've never encountered or know very little about. And unless we've done the basic science, we're not gonna be able to turn around and build a vaccine as quickly as we did. So I think there's a lot of scientific and public health investments in the big picture, there's small financial investments given the financial toll of this pandemic, let alone the human toll. Uh, there's a whole agenda here that really needs to be executed by the next uh, administration. I recently did a story for the Providence Journal on Central Falls. I spent several days examining why they have been the epicenter here in Rhode Island. And one of the factors clearly is poverty. Another factor is, is living conditions, so many people living under one roof and so forth. And maybe at some point in the future, we can get into differences by, by race and ethnicity. So uh, we have one reader question. I'm not gonna read it all because it was long, but, but detailed and thoughtful. It comes from a faculty member at Salve Regina University. And this, person writes that she has a rare autoimmune disease, limited scleroderma. And she asks whether or not autoimmune disease may be considered or should be considered as a comorbidity such as diabetes and obesity. Those are now, at least in Rhode Island, I'm assuming in many other states too. Yeah. Um, there's, look, there's no question in my mind that people with um, autoimmune diseases, people who are immunocompromised are at much higher risk of complications of this disease. So uh, should we be prioritizing them in some important way? Yes. The challenge so far has been operationalizing this, uh, figuring out who, which autoimmune disease is, who qualifies. And what I would do is I would try to figure out a mechanism by which we give some um, 
some uh, judgment, clinical judgment to physicians and nurses, because there are some people who are really going to be at high risk with these autoimmune diseases. And I think finding a way to prioritize them is going to be important. Uh, the whole problem of comorbidities is it's so broad and there are so many people who might potentially qualify uh, that if we uh, aren't sort of thoughtful about how we implement that, it's going to get very, very challenging. So for this uh, question, this uh, per audience member who wrote in, like certainly sounds to me like she's a high risk and, and finding some way to make sure she gets vaccinated early is going to be important. Uh, operationalizing these things has been a challenge across the country. Thank you, Ashish. Uh, I would remind our audience, if you have any questions for Dr. Jha, you can write to gwmiller at providencejournal.com. And in the subject field, please write question for Dr. Jha. Ashish, thank you. Uh, have a good week. We'll see you in a week. And as always, take care and, and, and stay safe. Thank you so much for having me back and you too. And I look forward to connecting up uh, when we do next week. We will have a new president, a new federal government, and uh, we can talk about what they need to do to really get this pandemic under control. And I think that's reason for optimism. So we will hit that note next week. Thank All you. Right. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye.